sometimes, you know, when we're in those dark places, it's hard to envision yourself out of that dark place. And whatever you were born into, that was your path. And so I want to give like women the power and the encouragement that you find your inner strength, like just go for it. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to another episode of Weiss Advice. I'm your host, as always, Yona Weiss. Excited to be here today. Hope everyone's doing well. We are here with another amazing guest. We have Stacy Conti, and I'm excited to kind of hear a little bit about your story and how you got into real estate and what you're doing in the world. First of all, how are you doing this morning? Hello. Good morning. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm super excited. My pleasure. No, this is great. I, you know, I always love to have guests on our podcast that have different stories and everyone has a different perspective. So it's really good to, to get that. And I really, what I'd like to do is a little bit different than normal, just you know, I just finished reading this book. Sure, if our listeners have heard of this, but Simon Sinek is Start With Why, right? So it's a really amazing book. It's a leadership book. And it's really about just figuring out what your why is, what you what drives you. And that kind of helps to realign you or, or you know, put you on the right path to making sure all of the decisions that you're making are aligned with that purpose, you know? And so what I'd like to do now is let's just begin with that. Like, what is what is your why? Meaning what have you... Stacy, having got into where you are today and what you're doing currently, before we get a little background, let's start with that. Yeah, no, I love it. I always like to kind of check in and make sure that everything I'm doing and the projection of my life is aligned with my why. I've read the book and it's something that I've been encouraged to align with for years. And I definitely think that plays a role in all the decisions that I make for my personal life and my business. But something I'm really aligned with as to my why is to help mothers, to help single mothers, to help women, and to really help them find their inner strength and to provide motivation for them, especially women going through, you know, bad divorces or domestic violence and situations like that, because that those can be really dark places. Absolutely. No. And it's so important that there are people like you, you know, be kind of that light and inspiration to others who are going through situations like that. I mean, I wouldn't begin to understand what that's like, but obviously having someone that you can look up to and someone you can see, okay, this is possible. We can get through this. We can be, you know, get through this together and have others to, to show you how it's possible. I mean, that's great. I think that's a very great cause, a great why to have, right? Meaning you've aligned yourself in doing that. So let's talk about a little bit about, I mean, you mentioned your business and your personal life, but in real estate, because obviously that's a lot of our common denominator of our guests on the show here are in real estate. I know you've done some single family, some multifamily, short-term rentals, what else have you been involved with? And maybe give us a little bit of a backstory, how you got involved in real estate. Yeah, absolutely. So I started, I guess, kind of as a, just kind of fell into being a single family landlord as I, you know, would move out of a property instead of selling it, try to, you know, rent it out and keep the property. But I really didn't know what I was doing at all. I was just like, okay, well, you know, instead of selling it, or, you know, at the time, maybe you, you couldn't sell it, 
you know, rent it out. And I didn't know anything. So, you know, one of the first tenants I had, you know, let them move in before they even sent any payment, any security deposit. So that was my first eviction. <laughs> so learned, learned everything you really learned the hard way. kind of <laughs> along the way. Yeah, the hard way. And it wasn't until I got divorced, I went through a really rough divorce and just had to totally restructure my life, find out really what I wanted. And I used real estate as a tool to be able to set up the lifestyle that I wanted for myself and my kids moving forward. So it was kind of taking that step back to see, okay, what do I want in five years from now and how can I get there? And real estate was the tool that I used to be able to align my life and my goals and kind of reverse engineer the lifestyle that I wanted. That's, I mean, I see that very common where, where people kind of figure out that real estate can be a tool to help get you to where you want to go. And I found that for myself personally as well, but for a lot of people, it seems that it's something that gives you a lot of freedom because you can kind of be your own boss, you know, being an entrepreneur as well, but it's not necessarily as time consuming as running you know, a full-time business. I mean, you are a full-time mom, right? You're doing a lot of other things. You're man able to manage your properties, you know, manage all the things, doing deals. It obviously isn't easy, but it's a balance. But I think that real estate specifically has that option that a lot of people don't even realize until you get into it. And like you said yourself, you kind of fell into it accidentally by just renting out a property that you had moved out of. But when was it that you actually realized or which property was it or at what point in time was like, oh, okay, I can do this. This is something that I need to scale this and move further in this direction. Yeah, definitely. Well, it was like slowly, you know, at the light bulbs start to go off, a light bulb goes off and you're like, oh my gosh, there's this whole other world I could tap into. So for me, it was really when I learned the power of leverage and I learned, I was so naive. Like when I first bought my first couple properties that I, you know, would live in, I thought you just go to the bank and get a loan. And there was like one loan that you get. I thought there was just a variable of interest rate. I didn't know there was this whole world. And I mean, I feel like I've dove in pretty deep, but I still learn new things probably every week. So that was really when my eyes opened because it took me from realizing, okay, I don't have to have millions of dollars to be able to buy millions of dollars of real estate. And that was a big shift for me because it it opened my eyes to what real estate could do and making it very attainable for someone in my position and had some capital. I didn't have no capital, but I was able to use that capital and buy a property and then pull out equity and buy another property and really be super strategic about the way I was structuring my investments. And the real shift was when in our divorce, you know, we split up the properties. I got four properties and I had to refinance them into my name. You know, just as part of the divorce process, you have to put everything in just your name. So when I went through that refinance, my payments went up because there was a shift in interest rates and I was now like negative cash flow mm -hmm. on these three properties. And I didn't want to sell them because I saw, you know, they were new construction and an area that I knew was going to boom. And so I'm like, what can I do to be able to make these properties work? Right. So I furnished them and I started doing corporate rentals 
And the corporate rentals were, you know, generating a lot more income than long-term rentals. So I was starting to cash flow. I was like, oh, this is really cool. And then in between the corporate rentals, because when you have, when you do midterm rentals, people come in for a couple months, but then you may have a month or two of vacancy and, you know, that kind of kills us in real estate. So I threw them up on Airbnb. And that's really like where I fell in love with real estate because I saw the power of short-term rentals. Like, look, all rentals are great, but it was something that I also enjoyed because you're dealing with people on vacation that are happy and having, you know, fun with their family, something I could relate to. And that's kind of where I found my passion. That's amazing. So, I mean, that's something that I've seen very common. A lot of people getting into short-term rentals, but it seems like, again, you kind of fell into it by accident. It was almost like, okay, well, what do I do now with these rentals while I'm looking for tenants, some vacancies? You know, it just so happened. Airbnb happens to be a very, very popular alternative. And most people are getting, from my understanding, much higher cash flow than they would on a long-term or a midterm rental. Is that your experience also? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I still like to have my long-term multifamily because I feel like that's it's safer and more consistent, but I like to diversify with short-term rentals too, because there is that opportunity for just an abundance of cash flow, especially when you're in season that you would never get on long-term rentals. And in fact, I convert a lot of small multifamilies from long-term to short-term because when you purchase you get a better, you know, you can acquire a property at a lower price point if it doesn't have that business income. Right. So I've been able to transition properties from long-term to short-term and really reap the benefits. But then you also have the ability to fall back on the long-term rents. So that's what I also love about that niche is you're not just stuck to short-term. If something ever happens, the market shifts, the laws change, and I always underwrite where long-term rents Mm. would be able to cover the debt on the property. That's important. No, that's a really good point. You know, people are kind of going in with one game plan, but when you have this alternate, you know, alternative game plans that you could switch it up if you need to. And obviously your experience with long-term rentals and short-term rentals helps you kind of make that decision and see which is going to be more beneficial. But I see a lot of people going into the short-term rental space that don't have any experience with other types of rentals. I mean, countless people that I know of that are, you know, just buying the Airbnbs, you know, for one, for the tax benefits that are involved with it, as well as, you know, just having the high cash flow. Even people are still working full time, but they may not have any other experience. And so if something does, you know, kind of go awry or, or doesn't work out with it, they're kind of left in a very vulnerable position oh. if they don't have that experience. I'm seeing it now a lot where properties are being listed with numbers from, you know, early of this year, which on my books were the record breaking numbers, like just ridiculous. You know, I have everything on algorithms. So it's based on supply and demand. And the prices people were booking for were just absurd. And people are now listing their properties, you know, this high cap rate or cash on cash return, but it's based on this small window of numbers. And I'm like very kind of fearful of the people purchasing based on that data, because I don't think we're going to be able to replicate what happened earlier in this year. So, you know, I give caution to everyone to look at the past performance, not just 
you know, people bought a property maybe in December and now they're selling it at a huge markup because they got those numbers for a quarter, but I don't know if they're sustainable. So that's something I want to caution everyone when looking at properties to buy for Airbnb is like, you have to underwrite with worst case scenario, underwrite with low, you know, what you think your low occupancy may be, you know, always err on the side of caution. Right. Absolutely. What markets are you in, in terms of the short-term rentals? Is it kind of wherever you are? Are you finding specific markets to invest in or is it kind of local? I'm in Florida. I'm in Orlando, Florida. I actually don't have any any short-term rentals in Orlando, Florida, even though this is one of the biggest. Yeah, it's a really popular. (laughs) So my strategy when I purchase is I purchase for cash flow, but I also keep the long-term play in mind. And my personal belief is I like to be in beach areas because you can't create any more beaches. Those properties are more insulated when the market plateaus or dips because there's less supply. And I feel like areas like the Disney area, there's just land upon land where you can continue to build. In my eyes, it's not as good of a long-term play. So I'm investing in beach areas. So I have Indian Rocks Beach, Crystal River, St. Simons Island, Fort Myers Beach. And my favorite project that I'm like full on deep into now is a 12 unit motel in Daytona Beach. Oh, cool. So yeah, that market was always kind of scary to me. I own long-term rentals in that market and they're just a a tough market to manage long-term rentals in. But the beach area has been going through a redevelopment. There's the main road, A1A. There's just construction upon construction of redevelopment going on. So I think that area is going to see a big appreciation. But I bought the motel and it was like everything that could be wrong with it was wrong with it. It was on, you know, listed. I think it was listed on the MLS and it was just sitting. This was before the whole like real big rush of bidding wars and everything. It was last summer. But it was just, it was scary. It was a scary property. I mean, you walked up to it and everything about it from the way it looked to the way that the tenants acted when you went to view the property, everything about it was scary. The police, I spoke to the local police and they're like, this is, we get called here all the time, but I do like a challenge. So (laughs) (laughs) it was in a rough neighborhood or was it specifically that? No, That's what's crazy is it was like you walk out the doors. It's not ocean view. You're not on the ocean, but you're just right across the street. So you walk out the door and you see the ocean, but it was being, you know, COVID had a big impact in that area. People stopped paying rent. The landlord couldn't put any money into the property. She owned other properties in the area and was just collecting no rent. So Mm. nothing was being put back into the property. The management was very poor and it just really kind of ran into the ground. And she wanted to offload it because of all of the issues that she was having and no way to, I think, see the end of the light at the end of the tunnel. That sounds like you fell on an amazing opportunity there. So now you're, I mean, since last summer, you've been turning it around, making it... I've been turning it around. Yes. (laughs) It's been a project. It was, I learned things. Sometimes you don't know what you don't know but I have the attitude that I could figure it out. But there's definitely been a lot of roadblocks from, you know, contractors that were dishonest to permit delays to material delays, workers just not showing, you know, no one wants to come work. So it's been delayed. We're not on the timeline we wanted to be on, but Mm -hmm. the market has appreciated so much that, you know, 
I'm planning to do a cash out refi and I, I think I'll be in a really good position. Should be opening hopefully this month. So That's I'm really awesome. excited to uh, finish product. Very exciting. No, I, I, it sounds like, you know, we find an opportunity, you know, put into your put your efforts into it and find something, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel there. I mean, that's, that's amazing. And this is your first kind of motel commercial property of this type, right? I mean, I own other like commercial multifamily, but right. like with this type of rehab, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was and so, extensive. And are you, rehab. are you turning it into like a, to run it as a motel or are you turning it into like short-term rental type, uh, type of property? So the cool thing is it has a motel license, it's zoned motel, which allows me to do nightly rentals. The other properties in that area, Airbnbs, short-term rentals are not allowed, actually. Wow. You're held to like six month, six month minimum, and they're very strict. So it's a nice niche having the license, and I will be marketing it on Airbnb. Each room is going to be themed individually, so it's not like a traditional motel where you book a room and get assigned to a room and they're all the same. They're going to be very family-friendly, targeted at the millennial family like myself with kids, so everything's going to be kind of focused around that demographic, very Instagrammable. So it'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I mean, that you know what? That to me sounds like a real interesting kind of opportunity. I mean, I just like a light bulb went off in my head there. I don't know if you did this on, on purpose, but in an area where you say like Daytona, where it has very strict short-term rental rules or laws, yet a motel that can be converted into those short-term rental, basically, you know, you have eight, eight room, you know, eight, you don't know how, how many you're turning into, but turning it into uh, short-term rentals. I mean, to me, that sounds like an amazing opportunity to find a market where is very difficult for short-term rental with laws and then find a motel and buy a motel and just convert it into that. I mean, to me, that sounds like an incredible business plan. So if anyone out there is listening to this, you know, <laughs> that seems like an amazing opportunity. I know a lot of other places, places like Nashville and, you know, in Atlanta are very strict, you know, these things where you have to have, you know, in big markets, big metropolitan cities where they have, you know, minimum 30 days, or you said over here in minimum like six month rentals. That to me sounds like a great opportunity because everyone's looking for Airbnbs and everyone's looking to travel. So there you yeah, go. Yeah. Well, and the other thing I did because I, that you know, great minds think alike is I, there was actually adjoining doors that were pre-existing, but they had put drywall over them to not have that option. So I reopened those doors. Now every unit can have access to a kitchen and larger parties can book. Because, you know, you look at a market like that where you can only have a hotel as a short-term rental. Well, now you're competing with every other hotel. So how do you differentiate, right? And allowing more heads and beds mm -hmm. is a way to differentiate because you can't rent out a full home where, you know, it's a three-bedroom home. But now I have three hotel rooms that all connect. So wow. we can accommodate, you know, the mom, dad, kids, and, you know, the aunt and uncle or the grandparents sure. and all be in the same, you know, space, all connected to a kitchen, but still have some of that privacy. For sure. It's a great option. I know a lot of people that, you know, rent out in, in great markets, like, you know, huge, you know, four or five, six or, or plus, you know, bedroom houses is Airbnbs. And those are extremely popular. I think even more popular than, you know, the smaller ones, because people are going as parties, people are going as, you know, groups. And where you're talking about like 10 plus people, it's very difficult. You can't find a hotel to accommodate something like that. So right. here's, here's a great option. That's awesome. Got my brain thinking over here about some, <laughs> some opportunities right now. Appreciate that. I hear some of, you know, if you want to go this direction, just curious to know, I mean, you talked at the beginning about helping 
other, you know, mothers, other single mothers, women who are struggling, who maybe gone through abuse or other things like that. Like if you're talking to someone, maybe there's someone listening right now who fits that and they're really inspired by you. What, what's some advice or some, you know, kind of direction that you can give them? Yeah, no, I love that question. I think sometimes, you know, when we're in those dark places, it's hard to see, it's hard to envision yourself out of that dark place. And, you know, I just want women to know that like there is, you can do it. Like I used to think that you were like either kind of born wealthy and privileged or you weren't. And like whatever you were born into, that was your path. And so I want to give like women the power and the encouragement that, you know, even if they're with a partner that doesn't believe in them or is abusive or, you know, they grew up with, you know, a parent that treated them that way, that there's, you find your inner strength, like just go for it. You know, I encourage people to like take action. You don't have to be perfect. You know, I see people overanalyze situations or overanalyze how they're going to, you know, they may not have even purchased their first Airbnb, but they're worried about, you know, if pets are going to come or if they're going to be able to hire cleaners. And I'm like, just start, do, you know, just get on the path and do something and start taking action because, you know, we all can just figure it out. You know, we all have the power to do that. And I think like when I was in that really dark place and I felt like, you know, I wasn't good enough or I wasn't smart enough or, you know, I didn't have the power that, you know, just seeing other women and hearing their stories of building themselves up really resonated with me. And I don't have it all figured out by any means, but, you know, I was able to come out of a dark place and build a life that makes me happy and that makes my kids happy. So it's really important to me that I can give other women like that hope. Yeah. No, I love that. That's very inspiring. And then the truth is you're absolutely right in terms of just having someone to look up to or knowing that it is possible. I know for all of us, for everyone in the world, you know, if we're in a dark situation, we're in a place where it's difficult and we're challenged, it's hard to even imagine what, you know, how to get out of that. Working with the right people or having that just inspiration, knowing that it is possible. I think that's really the beginning of that hope and of that light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, those, it could feel very lonely, you know, and then you see like on social media, you know, the perfect lives and like everything's going great and they're making, you know, a hundred grand on every flip and there's no holdups or delays (laughs) or, you know, the perfect family. And I'm not that by any means, like every project I do, there's struggles. We may turn out good in the end, but there's struggles. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't think anyone has a property, you know, or a flip that goes super, super smooth, <laughs> right? I don't think it's possible. <laughs> so I, I just want to be like, my goal is to be relatable. So I could, whoever the person is, like I, you're not alone. Yeah. I love that. Stacy. I want to transition to now what we call the final four. These are four questions I ask all my guests. So first question, what is the worst job that you ever had? So I feel like I mean, I've had some like very interesting jobs. Like in high school, I, you know, cleaned the toilets at Nathan's Hot Dogs because the manager didn't like me. But I think I wouldn't say any of them are the worst because you gain a lot from those experiences. I mean, at the time, I definitely thought it was the worst. I'm like, oh my God, she hates me. She's putting me on the toilet cleaning duties. But it's very humbling. And looking back, I'm glad I had those experiences because you have a different perspective on life and on work ethic and being able to relate to other people. 
while I may not have liked any of my jobs at different points, I wouldn't say that any of them were now looking back the worst. All right. Looking back and like being grateful for the different opportunities. I hear that. No, that's great. I mean, it's a great perspective. I think everyone learns something from every job that they've ever done. But if you can point your finger at, at something that is like, oh boy, that's something I would never ever want to do again. Obviously, it happens to be some of the first jobs that we have or, or happen to be that. But <laughs> yeah, but cleaning bathrooms at fast food doesn't sound like a fun job. I want to transition to the second question, which is what is a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift? So hands down, it would be 10X by Grant Cardone. And I know he's kind of a love him or hate him type of personality. But I think if you look at the content of that book, it's hard to argue with. I mean, it's just so inspirational. And once you read that and understand that mindset shift, you almost can look at the people around you too and see the potential that they're missing out by just the mindset that they're having. So that's a book like no matter where you are in your journey or in your investing career or in just your professional career, I think that there's like, if I could have read that book 15 years earlier, I feel like I'd go much further ahead. That sure. that was a real paradigm shift for sure. 100%. No, I, I agree that that was one of the books that like helped propel me in the right direction. I totally agree with you with, you know, you love him or hate him. I actually don't really like, I met him uh, before, but he's, you know, not necessarily a person that I would like to hang out with, <laughs> you know, not, not someone, <laughs> but I love his, he just speaks a lot of truth in terms of business, right. in terms of marketing, especially, and, you know, putting in those efforts, 10Xing it, you know, something that I always knew and I've applied to other areas of my life, which is one thing that really stuck out about in that book was that, you have to make efforts like to aim for like 10 times beyond what you even can imagine you can accomplish. And then, you know, it's like people say, you you shoot for the stars, like you hit the moon. And that's something that he just reiterates, like make those efforts like way above and beyond and, you know, aim for the stars essentially. And you'll do a lot better than you ever thought you could have. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think we're our own worst enemy at times and we limit ourselves mm-hmm. as what we think we can accomplish. Kind of like what I said earlier where, you know, I thought you were either born into, you know, uh, being wealthy and successful, or you were kind of born into being middle-class and there was no shifting it, but knowing that you can, and you can have that power and you're in control of that. And not that it's easy by any means, but it takes work and it takes action and mindset. You have to believe that it's possible. Right. 100%. No, excellent choice. Excellent book. What is a skill or talent that you would like to learn? So this whole experience on my motel, I really wish I knew more about construction. I have no background in construction. So I've been trying to be as hands-on as I can and ask like every dumb question that I can ask because that's how I learn. I'm sure I'm pretty annoying at times, but that's one of my goals is I want to have more of a foundation for understanding the construction on projects. And not that I want to do the construction or even manage the construction, but I want to be able to oversee the whole project and manage who's ever managing the construction and understand it better. When you're looking, you know, I'm typically on more of the finance and strategy side of projects. And Mm -hmm. it's hard to truly do that job if you don't fully understand what's going on the construction side because you may see a budget number and not understand why that number's in there, you know, and then doubles 
and you're like, well, why did it double? And just being, having no foundation for the rationale, I, I feel like puts you in a challenging position. So yeah. that's understanding more of the construction is definitely my answer. Absolutely. No, that's, it's a great, something to know, especially if you're ever involved in a construction project it gives you a lot more power, you know, to have, especially at the negotiating table and just being able to oversee, because I feel like every single construction, every single flip project has a challenge specifically because of the contractors. And so if you like, I've never heard of a single flip that had a problem where it wasn't the contractors or, you know, the, you know, something being involved with that. So having that knowledge would obviously give you in a much better position. Yeah, for sure. So fourth and final question, what does success mean to you? So the place that I'm at right now, success for me, I have three small children, just being able to be with them more, being able to teach them things that I wish I knew growing up that could set them up for success, whatever path they choose to go on. You know, I was divorced in 2018 and kind of set, you know, reverse engineer the trajectory of where I wanted to be. And my background was in medical sales. I worked for 15 years in medical sales and I retired in April to do investing full-time. So, you know, being able to have that freedom, being able to be with my kids, bring them on job sites, put them to work, things that they could help with and enjoy doing and just involve them in the whole process. Because I think that, you know, just like I don't regret cleaning the toilets at Nathan's, I think putting kids to work and giving them an understanding and foundation is really important. Yeah. And, you know, my kids are definitely growing up privileged because their father's also very successful. So I, it's really important to me that they have a strong foundation of work ethic and, and doing jobs that, you know, most people may not want to do. But then we also do all like they, we do incredibly fun unique experiences that I never, ever did as a child that they get to do all the time. So, you know, it's hard to balance that, but the freedom to be able to, like this week, we're at the motel working and, you know, they're in surf camp for a couple hours, but we just have the freedom to be able to design our life the way that we want and not be held to like a corporate job where you have to report to someone, you know, for sure. Congratulations to you for, you know, for retiring and going full-time into this. Sounds like it's your calling and is allowing you to do everything that you, you know, want to do and live the life you want to live. So congratulations to you and, and much continued success on that journey. Thank you. Thank you. Last question is where can our listeners find you or reach out to you if they want to? I'm probably most active on Facebook. Makes me sound kind of old. I know it's not like the trendiest right now, but Facebook, Stacy Conti on Facebook. I'm in a lot of different, you know, investing groups and Airbnb groups. And I actually get so much knowledge from them. Just, you know, if I have a question, I ask it and there's a million people that have an answer. So I just love the power of Facebook and Facebook groups. So that's where I usually hang out. Okay. Well, we'll make sure to put that in the show notes. And I totally agree. There's so much knowledge and so much that I've gained from a lot of these Facebook groups also in both the short term, you know, the multifamily space and so many others. So thank you again for joining us today and taking the time out. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. And to our listeners, thank you guys for joining all the way to the end. And remember, the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? 
If you did, I wanna ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I wanna hear from you guys. So I wanna hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn, send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.